Dating and Problematic Romance. My name is Lee, and we are on Chapter 6 of Fifty Shades of Grey. As usual, trigger warnings, content warnings, all that good stuff will be in the episode description. And as always, if I have missed any, please let me know. I'm happy to go back and add them. If you'll remember, last chapter ended with the elevator kiss, capital E, capital K. So now they are in Christian's car driving Anna back to her apartment, I guess? Whatever. They are discussing Christian's music taste because, of course, his, like, music comes on as they're driving. And, uh, this is gonna be another recurring theme throughout the series, and it's just, like, this is probably totally just, like, personal taste and is not actually, like, a commentary on quality, but, um, they get so specific about what song by what artist is playing at any any given time and it just bugs me like this this is absolutely just my own opinion but i feel like it feels better it feels like a better reading experience for me if i kind of know the vibe of the song that's playing and then i can just fill it in in my own head with whatever song i know and like that fits that vibe it it kind of lets me get a little bit more immersed in my own version of the book world whereas if you're saying, you know, Sex on Fire by the Kings of Leon is playing in this car. I mean, if I know that song, okay, great. Now I, I know what song is playing. But if I don't know that song, like, I'm not going to stop and look it up and learn and figure out, oh, okay, this is the mood that's being set right now. Like, that's just not, <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. Like, it's just, I just feel like it's it's easier. Also, like, then if, if you're saying, here's the specific song that's playing and the person doesn't know the song, like, they have no idea what mood is being set. Versus if you say it's, like, a sensual rock song, then they can fill it in with whatever sensual rock song comes to mind for them, and then that mood is set. And you don't have to drag certain artists or certain songs into it, you know what I'm saying? So that's my opinion. So as they're driving, Christian is being interrupted by constant phone calls, and Anna is sitting there thinking how grateful she is that she's, she like never actually gave serious thought to working for Christian's company because he's so like cold and controlling to his employees, which again is a huge red flag. There's that saying that like if your date is nice to you but not nice to the waitress, they're not a good person. And like, yeah, that absolutely applies to any group of people. Like if, if they have an in-group and an out-group and they have a, a group of people that like they actually care about and are actually nice to, and then everyone else is just like, oh, they're just my employee. They just work for me. I don't have to be kind or even like basically polite to them. Like that's such a huge red flag because if you're a genuinely good person, the impulse is to be genuinely good to everyone. <laughs> And if, if you're only good to, like, the people who have quote-unquote earned it in your inner circle or whatever, like, you're not actually a good person. You're just putting that goodness on to the people that you want to impress. Oh, I forgot to say this up front. It's still warm here, by the way. It's still summer when I'm recording this. It's not nearly as hot as it was last time I recorded, but it's still a little bit warm. So my bedroom window is open. My closet door is open. So you might be getting some street sounds. I don't know. 
please bear with me. I rest assured I have done my best to clean up the audio, but there's only so much I can do. So Christian drives Anna to her place without her having to tell him her address, which is, again, so creepy. Like, I know he looked up her address to send her those books a couple chapters back. That does not diminish the creep factor of being like, oh, I know where you live. You've never told me your address, but I know it. I found it out without your consent. Girl, run. What are you doing? He assures her that he won't kiss her again until after the contract. I mean, he doesn't specifically bring up the contract, but he implies it, which, again, is not how any of this works. I'm gonna rant about this again when we actually see the contract, which is coming up soon, but, uh, not how this works. At all. So, Anna and Christian are getting there right as roommate Kate and Christian's brother Elliot are saying goodbye and Elliot is going to then leave with Christian. This is the first time we see the phrase, later's baby, as a, like, parting phrase and it recurs throughout the series and I just hate it. It's, again, this kind of thing that's, like, cute in middle school or high school. We're not in middle school. We're not in high school. And, like, okay, I understand there is a delicate balance between writing genuine dialogue and dialogue that just sounds awful. Sometimes genuine dialogue, if you wrote it down and transcribed it, it would sound awful in, like, a published novel. Like, it's it's just not polished enough, you know? And that's fine. And it's, it's tricky to strike that balance between actually having your character speak the way a human being would speak and, like, still kind of looking polished and whatever for the sake of the novel. And I feel like Later's baby crosses over that line. <laughs> Again, maybe this is just like a another personal opinion or whatever, but uh, yeah. So anyway, Anna and Kate go inside and they're discussing whether they did or did not sleep with their respective gray brothers without even once uttering like so much as a euphemism for sex. It's not even did you sleep with him. It's not even did like it's it's not even that vague. It's all just like trailed off sentences and words left unsaid. It's like did you? No, but you did. Yeah, I did. But do you do you want to? with Christian? Do you want to? And it, 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 it's, it's so childish. It's so immature that, and like, I feel like this reflects, again, a lot more on the author than on the characters because, you know, clearly the way that Kate is characterized, you know, she's this kind of sexually liberated whatever, like she has one night stands and that's just Kate being Kate. She would not have a problem saying, did you fuck him? Or at the very least, did you sleep with him? Like, so it's very clearly the author's sex negativity and prudishness and, and inability to bring herself to write the words that's happening right now, which is like, why are you writing a kink book if this is the way you're approaching sex? What are you doing? That's my one question. Why did you do this? What are you doing? I don't know. Okay, actually, I'm gonna derail myself for a moment here because here's the thing. You are allowed to write fanfic- like, okay, just taking this in context right now, this book series started out as a serialized fanfiction. So, fanfic authors, I 
don't want you to feel right now like I'm saying if you are not ready to talk about this thing in a certain way, you cannot write fic about it because I disagree with that. I feel like that's borderline censorship and uh, fuck censorship. You can write fanfic about whatever topic you want through whatever lens you want. You can write fanfic about sex stuff that you're not entirely comfortable talking about. Like, that's a fantastic way to explore your sexuality. I did a lot of exploring my own sexuality through fanfic, you know, early teenagerhood all the way up through my 20s, and I, I haven't written fic in a while, but if I started writing fic again, it would I would probably be continuing to explore some, like, sex stuff and some kink stuff that I'm maybe a little bit not sure about, but it, it's, it's like a really great way to kind of explore it without having to actually experience it in real life yet. You can, you can kind of see how it feels to have your characters, exp like, experience it. But there's a difference when you are publishing publishing a book, publishing a novel about this kind of thing, it's a little bit different because, you know, as much as we like to argue that fan fiction is a serious form of writing, and it is, and and it takes real talent, and there are incredibly talented fan fiction authors out there, and I don't even need to go on this rant right now, but um, more people will see a published book than a fan fiction, most likely, and more people will take a published book seriously. So, if you're writing a book on sex, or about sex, and about kink, you kind of need to be prepared to look it in the eye a little bit, because your characters are going to be looking it in the eye, they're going to be experiencing it. And even if the book is about characters who aren't prepared to look it in the eye, you as the author, even still, I would say, need to look it in the eye anyway, because you are creating this world, you're creating, you know, putting these sex acts into this world for your characters to experience, whether that's tiptoeing around them or diving in head first, and, and you need to be prepared to discuss that either in dialogue or in the broader narrative. I don't know. It, I, it, it, it seems like similar to like if you're not prepared to have a conversation about sex, maybe you want to rethink how ready you are to start having sex because it's really important to be able to discuss your wants and needs and boundaries around sex. And this this feels a little bit similar where like if, if you're not ready to talk about sex or kink and you're, you're just going to shy away from it throughout the whole book, it's not going to be a very well-constructed book and it's not going to be a great reading experience. So Anna tells Kate that she's meeting Christian again that night and so Kate of course immediately helps Anna shave her legs and her armpits and pluck her eyebrows, whatever, and like groom because it is, quote, what's what men expect these days, unquote. Holy shit, barf. Holy shit, no, I hate that. Ladies, femmes, people who pay attention to their grooming and their presentation of their body at all whatsoever, no matter what your identity is, please do not ever feel the need to change something about yourself because it's what's expected of you. And actually, I am going to speak to women and femmes right now a little bit exclusively, but also if you are not a woman or a femme and you also identify with this, please feel free to take this message to heart as well. But um, women especially get this marketed to us, uh, shoved down our throats, pushed upon us from a very early age that we need to be perfectly shaved and plucked and primped and made up and everything or else we are ugly, hairy, disgusting, gross things that nobody will ever find attractive 
and never want to fuck since we are told that our value is based solely upon our attractiveness, then we are worthless and not worthy of anything in life. And it's all bullshit. All of it. From A to Z, it is bullshit. You can absolutely shave and pluck and make yourself up and do whatever you want if that's what makes you feel good. If that's the way that you want to present yourself. Or you can leave all of your body hair. You can never buy makeup in your life. You can do whatever you want. If that's the way that you want to feel good, that's what makes you feel good. That's what makes you feel true to yourself. Because here's the thing, the idea of like changing yourself in order to impress someone is really unhealthy. Like, okay, yes, on the first few dates, you're going to be probably a little bit more polite and a little bit more, like, cheery and whatever, because you're putting, like, the best version of yourself forward, and that's fine. That's not what I'm talking about, because that's still a version of yourself. But if you are normally the type of person who, like, leaves all the body hair alone and doesn't wear makeup, but you shave everywhere and you put on makeup for the first several dates because that's what you think is going to get you into this particular person's pants, and then they expect you to just continue to do all that grooming and you don't actually want to do all that grooming all the time, that can cause problems in the relationship. And perhaps even more importantly, it's just not being true to yourself. Because I really feel like if you want a good, healthy like relationship, be true to yourself. Don't try to fit yourself into the other person's expectations. Show them, this is who I am. And if you want to be in a relationship with me, let's stick around and see how it works. And, and, and likewise, like, I feel like I would want to get to know the real version of the other person because if I want to be in a relationship with them, I want to be in a relationship with the true version of them. If you're trying to change that or hide some of yourself or whatever to be, to like impress someone at first, the true you is not what they're signing up for. Like you really, you, you want to be around someone who wants the true version of you. Otherwise, like you're just having to put on an act to be the version of you that they expect you to be and that's bullshit and that's exhausting for you and it's unhealthy for the relationship and like you know if if someone is not interested in the true version of you that doesn't say anything about you and your worth all it says is that you are not compatible with that particular person and that's a sign that you should keep looking for another person who you are more compatible with so anyway that's my big long rant about shaving your legs or not shaving your legs or what whatever, like, do whatever you feel sexiest with and most confident with and most yourself with. And uh, I guarantee you that will get you laid because there are tastes out there for everything. Everything. Hairy, shaved, made up, natural, fat, thin, whatever you are, however you look. Someone out there is going to want to hit that. Someone out there is going to want to tap that. I promise you. <laughs> Despite what society says. <laughs> Oh, here's another big ol' rant. This might be a long episode, I don't know. So Anna is thinking that uh, Kate still doesn't trust Christian, which first of all, she shouldn't. Anna, you shouldn't trust him either. But Kate is still like happy for Anna and is like encouraging her. And like, Kate, I've been there. 
<laughs> like, I've been in that situation where my friend is with someone who I don't really like and I don't really trust, but I don't feel like I can say, hey, you two need to break up right now because I don't have the evidence of, like, this guy is actually going to treat you bad, but deep down in my soul, <laughs> I know this guy's going to treat you bad and I don't want you around him. <sighs> Oof. It's awkward. It's like, it's tough to support someone in that situation, I think. But also, Anna, listen to your friend. She knows. So anyway, Christian picks her up after work and takes her to his helicopter, which turns out belongs to his company, not him. But, you know, he frequently uses it for personal travel throughout the series. And I guess he's like rich enough that he can just do that shit because he is the 1%. Um, hold on a second. I have to figure out when this was first published. 2011. Anyway, yeah, um, he is the 1%. He's an evil billionaire. That's where I'm coming from. So he straps her into the helicopter seat because it has like a complicated seatbelt or whatever. And he makes this comment about like, ooh, I like the harness on you, which she of course does not pick up on because she's not kinky. She doesn't think like that. He's like, ugh, bondage joke. And she's like, what? And like, Christian is trying so hard to kinky flirt with her and it's just not working. Like, it just never lands because she's like so sheltered. She has no idea. And like, to me, as a kinky person, if I was trying to kinky flirt with someone and they just were not picking up on it and were not picking up on it, like, at a certain point, I'd just be like, okay, you and I lead very different sex lives. Bye! Best of luck! But, uh, I guess he's, like, determined to turn her kinky or whatever, so here we are. They get in the helicopter, he's talking to the control tower to prepare to take off, and there's, like, a whole paragraph of helicopter jargon, which, again, totally unnecessary to actually transcribe all that out. You can just say he speaks to the control tower and gets clearance to take off or whatever. Like, it's fine. But also, I kind of have to wonder, did E.L. James actually research enough to, like, make the, the jargon accurate? Or is it just totally bullshit made up? Which, given how much research she did into other areas for this series, I would not be surprised at all if it was just total nonsense. So anyway, if anyone is listening and actually like flies helicopters or flies anything, I guess, and would know enough to know whether this is accurate or not, get in touch. I want to know. I genuinely want to know. So anyway, uh, we learned that Anna is the first woman Christian has ever taken up in the helicopter because once again, he's kinky, so he doesn't have actual like romantic relationships. He just keeps his kink life totally separate from his personal life, so he never shares his life with any of his subs, but Anna's different. She's the chosen one. She's gonna change him. Like, okay, no. You heard my rant about this before. You will hear my rant about this again. That's not how kink works. Like, if that's how your kink works, I, I do want to say, if you don't want any romance involved in your kink, that's valid. That's a valid way to live your life. That's fine. But... Once again, this is presented as, like, the illustration for how a kinky relationship works. And so the implication is that if you're a kinkster, you don't get romance in your life. You just get kink, which is totally the opposite of true. 
Uh, she thinks of Jose, who has, like, called her several times at this point, and she's like, maybe I should call him back. No, honey, no, no, he does not deserve any sympathy for you right now. He is still the man who assaulted you. You can talk to him again when or if you're ready, because fully, she would be in the right, and if anyone else has been in a similar situation where they have been sexually assaulted like this, you are fully in the right to never talk to that person again, to never even hear them apologize. That's totally up to you. If you are not ready to accept their apology ever, you don't have to. Maybe that's a hot take. Maybe I'm gonna get hate for this, but I don't care. That was a huge boundary violation. Yes, it was quote-unquote just a kiss, but that was still a huge boundary violation, and you are absolutely allowed to just completely excise that person from your life, and you do not have to feel guilty about that. So, they arrive on the helipad on the roof of his building, because of course he lives in a building with a helipad on the roof. They take a private elevator to his palatial apartments, and yes, that is the word that is used to describe it, palatial. First of all, Anna is standing there in his living room feeling totally out of place, totally out of her depth, because again, he is the 1%. He is like filthy fucking rich. He is obscenely wealthy. Uh, second of all, the decor is described as, like, all white and, like, polished chrome and whatever, and, like, here's just my opinion again, so, uh, again, don't, don't take this as, like, an actual quality of, of book assessment, but just my fucking opinion. Why do rich people do that? Why do they live in these sterile, all-white decor spaces. Why? Like, okay, I guess on some level it's like, oh, I can hire maids so I can keep the white stuff white because I don't have to clean it personally. It's someone else's problem. I'm so rich. Eh. But also, like, that's so joyless. Like, it just, it, it would feel like living in a hospital to me, you know? Like, there's no, if there's, if it's just all white and silver, like, okay, yes, that aesthetic can be pretty in certain contexts, but I would not want to live in it. <laughs> and maybe this is just my personal aesthetic sense talking, but like, I, it would feel awful. It, there's no color. There's no joy. There's no personality. Like, she even says, because he has all this art hung on the walls, and so she's like, yeah, this feels more like a, an art gallery than the space you would actually want to live in and like yeah genuinely I get that I don't think I want would want to live in this apartment it sounds completely just like blank faceless I am spitting on my pop filter because I'm so passionate about this <laughs> yeah it just it just sounds awful I would never want to live in a space like that Anyway, so he's edging closer and closer to having the conversation. He brings her an NDA, which is hilarious that he's like, okay, before we fuck, you have to sign an NDA. And I, I guess on some level, I could see like celebrities and people in the public eye doing that because we really do be snooping into famous people's lives and it's not okay. But also <laughs> the idea of being like, I want to fuck you, sign this. It's just, <laughs> it's absurd to me. Then also Anna is fully prepared to sign without even reading through it, which like, girl, even Chris 
Christian is saying you should always read everything before you sign it. Like, that's not, it's just basic. <laughs> like, if you're putting your signature on something, this thing is legally binding. At least skim over it. Something. So, Anna mentions, it, like, Anna works into the conversation that she wants to make love to Christian because, yes, and he says, I don't make love. I fuck hard. First of all, if that was coming from a non-abuser, hot. But since it's coming from him, and since it's in the context of this book, uh, once again, because doms don't ever make love, doms aren't ever soft. That's not how kink works. No. Incorrect. Totally incorrect. I mean, okay, yes, maybe it depends on what type of dom you are, what type of kink you like to play with. If you only want to fuck hard, valid. Live your life. I get it. But also, it is absolutely possible and in fact happens every day that there are doms who can punish you and degrade you and then turn around and cuddle you and make like turn around and make love to you if that's what you need and in fact in my experience doms and subs and switches people who are kinky are you know people and so, uh, most of them don't want to just have one kind of sex all the time. Most of their relationships are not that one-dimensional and one-sided. And yeah, a lot of times the subs who love getting, like, beaten really hard or degraded really harshly or whatever, they need the cuddles and the softness and the caringness after a scene. And that is, that's, again, what I'm seeing in this writing is that it's implied that since he's the dom, he's like, like, the harsh, like, controlling Dom 24-7 all the fucking time. And that's really, like, I have never encountered a kinky relationship where that is the case. Maybe they're out there. I don't know. I'm not an expert. I have not met and talked to every kinky person in the world, so, you know, I can't know how every single kink relationship works. But, like... <laughs> A lot of times, even if your relationship is quote-unquote 24-7, you are not in character, you are not in headspace as you're not the harsh controlling dom all the fucking time. You're not the, like, compliant, obedient sub all the fucking time. Sometimes you just need to come together as, like, two people who are in a relationship and figure some shit out. And sometimes you need your dom to take care of you and be gentle with you and make love to you. And sometimes you, as the sub, need to assert yourself because... Just because you're the sub doesn't mean you have to give up all of your rights and all of your control of every single aspect of your life. That's why we negotiate, to figure out where you are willing to give up that control, what box we should place around that giving up of control. And like, yeah, there are all different levels of 24-7 and some subs really want to give away a lot more control than other subs do. Uh, you know, some subs will put a much bigger box around their submission than other subs and it's all fine. But very, very rarely will you be completely 100% in role in headspace all of, your all of the time, all of your life, because that's just not how the world works. Anyway, he, so Christian wants to show Anna his playroom, by which he means his kink dungeon, and she makes a comment about an Xbox because she has no idea what a playroom means in this context. Shit, she still doesn't know what fucking context you're even looking at this in, Christian, because you haven't fucking told her. Here's my final rant of the chapter. This is like a handbook of how not 
to disclose to someone that you're kinky, especially when you've definitely figured out by now that the other person is not kinky. You don't spend your first several meetings kind of dancing around it and tiptoeing around it and saying, I have this deep dark secret that I need to discuss with you and, and you might run for the hills when you learn about it because it's so, like, no. First of all, no, because that gives the other person so much space to build up so much anxiety about what this horrible, horrible secret could possibly be. And that's not where you want to, that's not the place you want to start this discussion from. That's setting it up for failure from the beginning. Second of all, especially if you're kinky, you should know this, Christian. Open, honest, straightforward communication is absolutely fucking lootly essential. If you cannot communicate your desires and your needs and wants and boundaries in a clear way, you are not ready to engage in a lot of kink because it absolutely takes so much negotiation and so much communication of what is within your boundaries and what is with without of your boundaries. <laughs> um, that was a little bit awkwardly phrased, but I think you get the idea. It's, it, it takes so much communication. And if your communication style is dancing around the issue just to set up a big dramatic fucking reveal when this person is already in so deep, that's exactly the wrong way to do it, my dude. Like, she has no idea what she's getting into. And, and, and it's just, like, okay, a much better way to do this is to have a conversation in a public space so that if she does want to bail, she can just get up and walk the fuck away. Right now, she has been taken in a helicopter that is not hers to an apartment that is not hers. She is firmly on his territory, which again is setting up this complete imbalance of power before she even knows that there needs to be a discussion about the balance of power in this relationship. He's, he's already tilting it so far in his direction. Like, again, this is one of those times when you need to have a conversation completely or at least almost completely out of headspace, out of role, where you're just coming to your per the other person as like, this is what I'm into. I know it's not for everyone, but this is the kind of relationship I'm looking for. And if you don't want to keep seeing me, I totally get it. But if you do, let's go on a journey of discovery together. Like, that's, let's, let me help you, like, research this and figure out what you're into and figure out where our kinks overlap and see what happens. Like, I get it. It's, it's like a deeply personal thing and it's a deeply taboo thing in a lot of society. And it's, it can be scary to disclose this kind of thing, but you don't have to scare the person, the other person as deeply as you are scared. Like, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. They might run screaming. I don't know, that reflects a lot more on them than it does on you. But if you approach it as, okay, here's a conversation that we're having, and I'm gonna make you feel as comfortable as I can, and also I'm gonna spend some time making myself feel as comfortable as I can, so we can both approach this from, like, an adult, level-headed place. And we'll see what happens. But no. Christian has her sign the NDA, and then walks her into his playroom without any kind of, here's what you're getting into, without any preparation, just throws open the door, big dramatic reveal, end of chapter. Ah. 
I don't know about you guys, but I am not looking forward to the next chapter. But we're gonna go there, because this is what I signed up for, and it's only going downhill from here. Woohoo! So, thank you once again for joining me on this roller coaster of a ride. <laughs> we are now careening toward the BDSM part, and I hope you're prepared. I'm not. <laughs> so, yeah, until next time, my name is Lee. And you can find all of my non-sex work social media at allmylinks.com slash leecartist and all of my sex work social media at allmylinks.com slash candykitten. This podcast can be found at allmylinks.com slash thecurdledpod. Be sure to check the episode description for the spellings on all of those links. Speaking of links, you can find this podcast's Patreon at that last all my links link, where you can support this podcast monthly in return for some fun, exclusive content. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or want to make a one-time donation not through Patreon, you can get in touch with me at curdledinkpodcast at gmail.com. And if you can't, don't want to, or don't feel comfortable supporting me monetarily, and trust me, I get it, please rate and or leave a review on your podcatcher of choice, or tell a friend, write a blog post, do whatever you do to spread the word about this humble podcast that would be so so appreciated our logo is by reese jones at tearlessrainart.tumblr.com and that's all folks until next time remember your rack that is risk aware consensual kink okay bye Welcome to Curdled Ink, one woman's tire of the. I'm gonna take that again. Anyway, oh shit, I didn't put my pop filter on. Okay, hold on. Uh, so yes, trying this again. Bumping into the mic. Um, the like harsh, you know, uh, you know, I can't think of the fucking word. Um. Until next time, fuck, okay. <laughs>